Hi, you're listening to In The Loop with Oxwash, a podcast where we talk to industry experts about the latest sustainability developments that you need to know about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next in the series of our Oxwash podcast, In The Loop. It's my great pleasure to have Ben Trelevin here with me today, and we're going to be talking about shipping containers, of all things. So Ben is the co-founder and managing director of ISO Spaces, an award-winning designer and manufacturer of bespoke modular buildings from recycled shipping containers. ISO Spaces turn recycled shipping containers into housing, commercial property, bars, schools, and pretty much anything you can think of. So hi, Ben. Great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tom. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Perfect. And perhaps to kick us off, you can tell us a bit about your backstory. So I understand somehow you've ended up from being a stockbroker to converting shipping containers into unique spaces. How on earth did that come about? I mean, it's just a natural career progression. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I, um, uh, I started off in finance generally in, in mortgages back in the early noughties and sort of progressed through financial advice and derivative trading um, and trading derivatives is where I met my my now business partner, Greg Curtis, who, who I founded ISO Spaces with. And we we always wanted to, to set up our own business. We we're both quite entrepreneurial um, and we were always looking for for various opportunities of, of where we thought that could be. Um, and ultimately what we came across was was shipping container conversions. Um, so we, I'd like to take the credit for the idea, but really it is Greg's. Um, he, he saw them being used for sort of disaster rehabilitation in New Zealand, you know, instantly deployable towns in the wake of an earthquake. Um, you know, re- re- really quickly deployable spaces. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, nobody's re- really doing that on a commercial level here. Um, and our sort of idea initially was, well, we can just do the designs, get some really cool designs. Somebody else can build them and it'll be all good. Um, so we sort of looked into that a bit and realised nobody actually converted them to any sort of level other than some very basic fabrication. So if we were going to start being able to have an actual commercial offering and we're going to have to do it ourselves so we did um i'd love to tell you that we had a really fancy business plan that we got started off with and we thought all of this through and meticulously planned out step by step um how are we going to do it but the reality is um we got really drunk on red wine one night and borrowed a hundred thousand personally and then quit our jobs the next morning Wow. I mean, what a genesis story. So a hundred grand, a few bottles of red wine and a business was born. So tell us a bit more about, you know, the nuts and bolts of ISO spaces. Yeah, so so ISO spaces, it started off. um, So so the word ISO comes from the ISO containers. um, That's your your standard shipping containers. So at any time, there's 30 million containers in, in circulation globally. And the sort of core point for us at ISO spaces is our product is permanently portable. So it can class as a permanent structure or space, but you'll always be able to to move it around in the global transport infrastructure, um, which is the whole beauty of the of the containerized product versus what um what other people might consider maybe an off-site manufacturing. So when when we started off, we thought we were going to be making sort of home offices, which you know, this is ten years ago. It's a shame we're not in the home office market now. I'm sure that's absolutely booming. 
Um, but we, uh, we we wanted to make cool home offices, bars, restaurants. We we wanted to put hydraulics. So our first ever unit was a was a bar with two hydraulic opening sides. You, know, you could push uh, push a button on your phone, and both sides would open with hydraulics. And suddenly you'd have outdoor space for forty people. Um, and we wanted to sort of you know, put a much funkier engineer and design led twist on what's essentially a um you know a one-use item that's just a, a steel box and to, to capitalize there isn't a, a shipping container movement as such but to be able to to lift that up to a higher level than what was already available fantastic wow okay so um garden offices bars you know so what does it actually take to turn a shipping container into one of these beautiful constructions? Perhaps you could tell us a bit about the design and the manufacture process. Yeah, so I mean, we, I mean, now um, we're obviously, in a, as I say, it's our, it's our ten year, ten year birthday this year. Although, Happy birthday! Thank you very much. That's <laughs> coming up in September, so hopefully the world may be a little bit more open, and we might do something, uh, something more to celebrate it than having a beer over a Zoom call. But uh, it looks like it's heading in the right direction. So, yeah, so the, the first two years of which Greg and I were still working at the stockbrokers and we were sort of four or five o'clock in the morning heading to a fabrication yard and prototyping, doing work on ourselves and uh, on our first shipping container. So the first shipping container we ever had was an orange one. So we just called it Big Orange. And um, Big Orange sort of followed us around for a couple of years where we tried everything from hydraulic rods out of the boot of a Vauxhall Corsa to a winch from the side of a quad which was all to do with sort of prototyping and metal work. I, it, neither Greg or I have any construction backgrounds whatsoever, other than an interest in commercial property. Um, and I think I'd probably laid a laminate floor in my house by that age. <laughs> but the the first sort of the first few designs we did, we we took a student from the local university. So in fact, we're we're based down in Cornwall. Falmouth University is very much a design focused university. Some incredibly talented people in there. Uh, I think we've got five or six graduates from the local university who work for us now, um, which is something we, we've always been really keen to support. But we'd start off essentially with a with a drawing. Um, I mean, before we had the the sort of CAD designers, that would be Greg and I drawing to scale with a ruler, badly, very badly, um, and sitting down with some fabricators in the local yard, probably not not more than half a mile from where I live now, actually, in a very, very small space and just saying, you know, can you do this with a shipping container? And them going, well, yeah, probably. Um, and and li- literally no more than that. And then bringing in various different trades of carpenters, painters, and, you know, like like with anything when you're starting it up, you, you bring in paper, people you know, you know, do we know a chippy? Do we know a painter? Do we know an electrician? Um, and if you don't, we pick up the phone book or Google or, or whatever it is, and we and we've always found the people that that we've needed. So you know, that's that's to give you a sort of snapshot as the start. So I will circle back to your original question about what it takes to make a beautiful shipping container, because to make a beautiful shipping container modular home, it doesn't take the skills of two ex stockbrokers who can't paint or do anything like that. And um, <laughs> so we we obviously got much more skilled people in. I mean, now we build, we don't really do so many of the sort of cool, what you'd call pop-ups. We do much more along the lines of volumetric housing developments, which will be runs of anything from 20 to 100 houses. And that kind of works like a car production line. So that'll be five containers come in, fabricated, steel work done, 
um, painted, then they'll be insulated, electrics fitted, plumbing fitted, internal finishes done, glazing wax on the end, out. So our build time for a house is about 10 days, um, which, as you can imagine, is a lot quicker than if you were building a traditional house. Wow, 10 days. That is a that is a fast turnaround for a house. And how big are we talking? I imagine, you know, the modular, modular design, you're combining shipping containers. So what's the biggest construction you've done? So the biggest we've done is about 240 together, but that was built into five different blocks um, of housing. So we've sort of moved away from the containerized housing design to to a pure modular design um, because it just, whilst you've got the benefits of the portability of the container, you are obviously restricted to that space of 20 foot, 40 foot, and they're all eight eight foot wide. So we've designed essentially our own containerized box, which still fits into the transport infrastructure. So it's giving you all the benefits of the portability, but you're getting an extra 20% of space in it, which when you're operating in those size spaces makes a big, big difference. I see. Fascinating. And what would be happening to these shipping containers if they were not being used by ISO spaces? Well, there's probably probably two answers to that. Um, Pre-COVID, they would be um they would be going into the storage market they'd be dumped in yards i mean i'm sure anyone who's driven around the country has seen stacks of shipping containers somewhere anywhere i mean i'm blown away by how huge and vast the stacks of mine you see in places and the thing is they come over they'd come over generally from china full of full of goods that we'd be importing and you know we we didn't have anything to export back to them so it's more expensive for for the chinese say to to take an empty container back than it is to build a new one. It's essentially the ultimate 10p carrier bag. So we we are able to give those a second life rather than just being a storage unit. Um, obviously, in there's it's a bit of a myth. People talking at the moment that there's a real shortage of shipping containers because of COVID. It, they might be a little bit harder to come by, but that just depends in the volumes that you're buying them at. That's not something that has affected us as a business. Um, but it is very much, yeah, they, they would never be going back. They would be disappearing into a different market over here. So to be able to give a full a full second life. I know when we started off, we used to keep, um, you get what's called a CSC plate on a container, which gives you all the information about the container itself and, and a serial number, an ID number, weights. So we used to keep all of those plates and you'd be able to, every container, you could look at bedroom number 47 in a hotel we built and you would know that that container originally brought a load of fruit in for the Dominican Republic or whatever its story might be. So there was always a backstory to every unit that we had. Wow. So you've really got the provenance of all of these containers. That is, that's fascinating. And you mentioned COVID-19. You know, I've got to ask, how has, how has the ongoing global pandemic impacted business with ISO spaces? I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it seems so long ago that it all started now, doesn't it? It's like it's become sort of business as usual life, which I suppose is, is a good and a bad thing. Uh, I mean, when it when it first hit, I I actually caught COVID myself back in March last year. Um, I on one of the last uh, one of the last days where we were allowed out, I was at Cheltenham, uh, and along with a, a lot of other people, I think uh, I was probably uh, pro- probably a lot of them caught it too. So when I sort of came round from a week of dying in bed, um, I you know it, it, it basically that's when the lockdown started. I think we lost four or five seven-figure contracts in about a week. 
So, you know, a large portion of our business was the hospitality trade. So we would be doing lots of event bars, hotels um, for a shorter term. And those people would generally have been ordering in the sort of March, April time. Obviously, last summer was just wiped out. So that wiped out that part of the business overnight, just gone. Um, and that there are some positives in that. You know, we, we, are, we have been building housing um, and it allowed us just to purely focus on developing out the modular project, modular product and, and the housing rather than, rather than just being focused on sort of low volume, high end bars, cafes, etc. cetera. Um, but I mean, if it, you know, really, so we used a lot of the furlough scheme and the government support for the first two or three months just to, just to sit back and take stock and sort of go, wow, what is happening here? Um, you know, it, for me, the severity of, of what the pandemic meant to, to the country, to the world, to everybody, only really was sort of driven home when I saw the financial packages the governments were offering out to businesses and people. It, you know, I think I read in the last budget, the figures 470 billion. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, and, you know, that that was what made it sort of really drove home the seriousness and that we were in this for, for a much longer fight maybe than many people first thought 12 months ago. Wow. So a real journey. I'm glad to hear that you've come out of the side come out the other side even stronger um and you know we've all heard of box park you know the the pandemic aside have you seen an explosion in shipping container recycling in in past years or is this something that's still relatively niche within the market um it's i mean so, so we did some of the work on the original box park in shoreditch there's a really cool pop-up stage unit on hydraulics which was actually Big Orange that I mentioned. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah! But Big Orange had a flat a, a facelift to become uh, to become the box park stage. Uh, which oh, brilliant! Is still there. I haven't been insured it for a long time. Um, but as, you know, you've you've got some other cool developments like Pop Brixton, and there's other ones popping up around. Shipping containers are perfect for those sort of smaller pop up festival events where you you want something that gives that sort of permanent feel, but. I, I wouldn't say there's a revolution in them. From one of the reasons we developed the modular product is there is still a, a stigma around shipping containers for housing and for offices. So for every one person you get who goes, oh, that's so cool. Imagine living in a shipping container. You get 10 people who work for public bodies saying you can't possibly house someone in a shipping container. Um, which to me, whether it's a steel box or a shipping container is by the by. And, you know, in this world of carbon efficiency and, uh, you know, where, where we're looking to go with, um, you know, with, with the environment, it seems ridiculous that we would produce a new steel building when we could just use something that's already had one life. Um, but unfortunately, from, uh, from a stigma, that isn't embraced by a lot of, uh, a lot of larger bodies. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah, really... Um... That's really interesting to hear. I think I would certainly fall into the camp of people that would be in awe of living in a shipping container. I know it's ironic. My um, my my girlfriend's uh, sister and husband live in New Zealand, and they live in a shipping container house. <laughs> Brilliant! And did you design it? No, I, I met her after they'd moved into it and had it. So totally, oh. totally random. No, it's for... wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, very coincidence. What a coincidence! Yeah, I know. Crazy. And Ben, I was reading on your website, you wrote a recent article about a temporary housing project that you've recently completed. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that. 
So, yeah, so we, we quickly realised that we, we wanted to sort of build out our housing model rather than just making the bars. You know, it was all very well and good making 10 or 15 bars and cafes a year. But Greg and I are, are you know, very, very ambitious and um, you know, we wanted to build a much bigger business. So we we started to make it. Someone, someone actually approached us and said, look, we, you know, we, we'd like to build a, a housing development out of shipping containers. Can you make regulatory compliant? houses and we said of course we can uh, so so they said brilliant we'd like 40 and we went okay let's go and find out how to make 40 shipping container houses and uh and and we did so you know, the the product is what, what i always say our, our housing product is suitable for it it's permanent housing for temporary people so there's a huge huge um temporary housing issue within this country so a lot of the developments we've done have been in London in the southeast. I think we've probably put over a thousand houses in in boroughs of London now, where generally you should be in temporary housing for six weeks, but because of the the lack of volume, um, people on average are in some of those boroughs for nine months. You know, and that sort of temporary housing can just be a shared room in a B and B with a shared bathroom for a family of three. You know, and that that's just not suitable compared to. We, we were able to offer a solution where people are, you know, the, the biggest, biggest thing we get is feedback from our, our clients that tend to be councils and housing associations. But if you think of our end users, who are essentially the tenants, they just want their own front door, you know, that privacy, security and space. And, and that's what we've been able to provide. So we, we were able to design, um, design and manufacture a product that, was able to activate sort of interim brownfield sites. So all of the developments we've done so far are down a designed to be put down between five and 15 years. So they can be then picked up and moved and activate another site and used as housing elsewhere, where otherwise these sites would just go, they just sit there for five years with nothing being done. So it's just a win-win situation all round. So we quickly realized that this was the model that we, you know, we wanted to go down. There's so much demand for, for housing in the market. I think the government targets 330,000 new homes a year. I mean, that's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant, grabbing a share of that market. So there's, there's plenty of scope in it. And we sort of developed our niche model to, to fit into that emergency stroke social housing where we offer various finance options. We, we started doing deals with councils where we'll actually lease whole developments back to them. So they don't even need the CapEx expenditure. So they, it's almost, we, we've got to a model now where you've probably come across software as a service in, in the IT world. So we now offer space as a service, um, generally based around housing. Oh, I absolutely love that. Space as a service. God, you'll have to buy that URL straight away. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I have that one, don't you worry. <laughs> uh, um, and I had the great pleasure of visiting one of your builds, probably about two-thirds of the way through the, the, the installation down in Croydon earlier this year, a fantastic bright yellow nursery. And I was absolutely blown away by being inside this structure, you know, and it simply did not feel like I was inside something like a dozen shipping containers. Um, yeah, I've got to ask, is the nursery up and running? Do the kids like it? Is it a success? It, it is, it is. It's it's up and running. There's kids in there. I'm, I'm really glad you liked it. Um, and like you say, we, we made sure it was done in really fancy colours and bright because Croydon, uh, you know, is quite a sort of skyscrapery 
darling dark area in general. You have got the box park, obviously, just over from where the school is. So it's probably like the shipping container hub now that we've put that school in there. Um, but the whole idea with, with working with the school is they wanted a very light touch on site. You know, you don't want to be having six months of site works when you've got children running around. So we were able to to build the majority of that job within the factory and then come and land the units on site. So since, uh, when did it open? It's about a month or so ago. And since we put a bit of PR and press out and about it, I think we've got another four or five potential live school jobs on just based on that, which is great. Um, you know, I think, and it's just something a bit different, isn't it? You think back to the, to the, I think we're probably about the same age, Tom. I'm sure you remember sort of what was classed as a modular classroom back in our school days. It was basically uh, a bit of a falling down porter cabin. I do indeed remember some rather cold maths lessons in, we called them the Terrapins. And it was always a joke the that they were made out of, that was it, made out of cardboard um, with Mr. Baffour, a marvellous maths teacher. But yeah, he, he didn't luck out on his classroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then what's been your all-time favourite container build to date? Um, I mean, I'm really proud of the housing that, that we've done. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, the you know, building these big housing developments, that got us to number 10 on the Sunday Times, Fast Track 100. Those those are the sort of flagship builds and events that, you know, led to us having lunch with the likes of Sir Richard Branson. So from that point of view, that's something that I always think, you know, that makes me really proud as a business. But if you're talking about actual just one-off conversion, we made an ice bar about five years ago, which was two or three 40 foot containers fitted together with a sort of meter thick of ice and various different ice rooms in there. And we went to the grand opening of it in, I think it was in Battersea Park. And when I walked in, they had the ISO Spaces logo made out of ice in the middle of it. And I was just like, that's it for me. You know, can never get any better than this from a marketing point of view until somebody handed me a glass made of ice full of a shot as well. So I always thought that was absolutely fantastic, just the container ice bar as a pure one-off single build. And obviously I loved Big Orange as well because it was our first. Wow, a shipping container ice bar. You have officially blown my mind. I will be Googling <laughs> that to see some pictures. Ah, if you've got is... our website, it's called the Ice House, spelled E-I-S, house, H-A-U-S. So wow. yeah, amazing. Okay. amazing. One for our listeners to have a have a look at. Blimey, that is that is fantastic. And Ben, I've got to ask, have you ever built a laundry out of shipping containers? I have built a laundry out of shipping containers. Um, but I think we've built lots of laundries um out of shipping containers, but they've been attached to housing development. So compared to what you you guys do as a business, I think they're probably in a slightly different league, probably a little bit smaller. Um, but uh, but the answer directly to the question is yes, I suppose. Brilliant. And I'm sure our listeners are smart enough to realise how you and I, Ben, have connected and what we've been talking about behind <laughs> the scenes. But we'll save that for another episode. Um, and Ben, I think we've got to wrap things up. But lastly, I would love to know about the five year vision for ISO spaces. You know, you're 10 years old in September. What are you going to be doing in another five years time at your 15th birthday? Well, I mean, if you'd um, if you'd asked me that pre-pandemic, uh, I'd have probably said playing golf in California, hopefully. But you know, we sort of realign the business plan and strategy now. 
Um, and we are very, very much focused on developing out our modular product and, and delivering housing solutions is we, we, we believe very firmly in business plans and planning now, despite what I said about the way we started off the business 10 years ago. Um, you know, our first business plan was some post-its on a wall, which I still keep a picture of. We we have a very concrete strategy over the next five years now to sort of lift up our model. So we now do everything from initial concept design, planning packages to, to building housing units, site installations, handing you the keys, financing them. So really, the, the vision is just to get as many houses on the ground as we can in the next five years, um, ideally wrapped up into in SPV investment vehicles and lease back to councils and housing associations. So they, they become income bearing investments and assets for, for our business, which is essentially taking me back to, to where Greg and I were 10 years ago, trading financial instruments. Well, there we are. So red wine finance all the way through to shipping containers and providing modular housing for those who require temporary accommodation in a permanent sense, you know, a real inspiration. Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I look forward to having further conversations around the possibilities of shipping containers. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for, for having me, Tom. It's been really enjoyable. I don't often actually get to sort of talk about the the, the full history of the business anymore. So sometimes it's nice to, to, to relive it a little. So thanks very much. And again, I look forward to, to continuing our conversations in the future. Fantastic. Thanks, Ben. And thanks, everybody, for listening.